listening is not just being quiet until there's a break in the conversation so you can say what you want to say. It's an active engagement for the goal of accurate understanding. Today, we'll be looking at the importance of good communication in a relationship. This message is the sixth in the series, Relate. The message is entitled, Communicate Clearly, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to study God's Word this morning. We're involved in a series of messages called Relate, and I want to talk to us today about communication, the relationships of our life and how to communicate effectively based upon the principles of God's Word. Many times we don't realize that the Bible really is a relational book. Most people think of the Bible in historic terms and obviously presenting the, the most important element of the scriptures, the ministry and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the application of that to our lives. But what you need to understand is that all through the pages of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the book is about relationship. It's about our relationship with God, first and foremost. It's about our relationship one with another. And God calls us into relational living. In fact, when Jesus was asked the question one day, what is the most important commandment of all the commandments? Now think about that question for a moment. What is the single most important commandment of all the commandments? And Jesus' response was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right there in that statement, Jesus says, This is what the law is all about, to teach you how to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how to love your neighbor as yourself. That is to build your relationship with God and to open up your life to allow Him to relate to you, and then to take the love that you receive from God and extend it to those around you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's all about relationships, and there's nothing more important in a relationship than communication. In fact, the lifeblood of any relationship is communication. If you want a strong relationship with God, you have to commune with Him. You have to communicate with Him. You have to open your Bible and study and read. You need to spend some time in prayer. There needs to be opportunities for God to speak into your life through His Word. And just as we're doing today in the gathering of the teaching of God's Word, it's allowing God to speak to us and us speak to Him. It's communication. But the same is true in our relationship with each other. We need communication. It's the lifeblood of any relationship. And there's nothing more significant in our relationship in homes or families or businesses than learning how to interact at a communication, a communing level with one another. The Bible is very clear about this in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to lay the foundation for through a few, few verses from the Scriptures. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to ask you to read together with me aloud and loudly. And if all you folks in Frederick will read with me as well as we raise our voices to declare God's Word today. Here we go. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now here the Apostle James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us that there are two elements in the communication process. He reminds us of those two. The two elements are listening and speaking. He's telling us this. He's saying that in any relationship, if, you're, if it's going to go well, you need to listen more than you speak. Each person is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then he actually adds this, slow to become angry. Because if you notice, if you do more speaking than listening, you tend to become more angry. 
Anger tends to find its way, way, way into our relationships uh, in direct proportion to the, the decrease of our listening skills. And so he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak and therefore slow to become angry. It reduces anger in relationships. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter 4, verses, verse 29. I'm going to read this from the Living Bible. Just listen as I read. In fact, would you circle some phrases as we go through this? Don't use bad language. You just circle the phrase there, bad language. I'll come back and talk about that more specifically in a moment. Say only what is good and helpful to those you are talking to and what will give them a blessing. Here Paul, again inspired by the Holy Spirit, says don't use what kind of language? Bad language. The actual original Greek term here that's used in the New Testament, original language in the New Testament means language that corrupts, language that corrodes. Bad language includes anything like profanity and those kinds of things, but in this relational setting, it's talking about things that eat away at the core of a relationship. Words that you speak that tear down rather than building up. And all of us have had situations before where we've had a conversation with a person. We walk away and we feel like we've been just cut to shreds. That something has happened on the inside that's, that's unhealthy to us. We've been corroded or corrupted or polluted by the words of someone's mouth. On the other side of that coin, there have been times you perhaps have been around a person and they've just been so nice to be around. You walk away and your thought is, wow, it was a real blessing to be around that person. One you want to avoid, the other you want to build relationship with. It's all determined by the way they use words. Notice Ephesians 4.31. Stop being mean, bad-tempered and angry. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your life. Paul says you need to stop some things in your communication patterns. Stop being mean and bad-tempered and angry. Stop quarreling. Stop these harsh words. Stop this attitude or dislike of other people. This should not be in the lives of believers. So he gives us a key term there. He says, put a stop to this. That means that you and I have been given the power by the Holy Spirit living in us to actually make some choices of what we will do and what we will not do in our lives. So I want to talk to you for the next few moments about how do we do this? How do we listen better? Make sure we're speaking the right words and how do we put a stop to these things? And I will continue this theme next week. And so this is a two-part message in the larger 10-part series. Three things today. The first thing you must understand if you're going to learn how to communicate in a better level and more intimately with those around you is you have to learn or realize that you are a message machine, that you are a message machine, every person here. Draw a diagram here. The artwork can be purchased after the service, okay? All right, I know you're really impressed, okay. What I want you to know is that any interaction, anytime you're around any human being, you're always communicating, always. In fact, you cannot not communicate. In any place you are, when you walk into a room, and even though you may not say anything when you walk into a room, you, just by your presence in the room, you begin to communicate. Anytime, any interaction you have with another person, you get in an elevator with someone, there's a community. How many of you know that there's a language of elevators? Okay? Even though no one says anything, you feel certain things when you step in an elevator because you're with people that are there with you. And so any, you cannot not communicate. Say that phrase with me. You cannot not communicate. You're communicating all the time, and you're communicating in several ways. By your words or lack thereof, okay? 
what you say, the words that you speak, that's obviously communication, by your nonverbals, by your nonverbals. Nonverbals are the body language that you communicate with. For example, if I'm trying to have a conversation with you and I'm standing like this and we're talking like this and there's a smile on my face or a pleasant look on my face, it says one thing. Or if we're having a conversation and I'm like this, it says something different, doesn't it? So your nonverbals, your body language will, will say something. The tone of your voice makes a huge difference. And also the spirit that you carry with you makes a difference. Have you been around a person before that they didn't say anything, but you kind of picked up that they were down, sort of a, maybe they're discouraged, something's going, you kind of sensed that something was wrong with them, and then you ask them, hey, what's wrong? Is anything happening? Because you sense it. See, we're not just bodies. We're spirit, soul, and body, and so we interact at deeper levels. Sometimes you just sense things about people as you're interacting with them, and so what you must understand is that the smallest portion of the messages that you send back and forth to each other is this portion. This, according to uh, communication experts, represents 85% of your communication, nonverbals, tone, and spirit. What's going on actually beyond your words are more powerful than the actual words that you speak. But there's never a time that you are not communicating. You are a communication, a message machine. Everywhere you are, you're broadcasting messages. You're sending information out to the people around you. You are a sender of information all the time. Now, we have to get better at it, but the reality is that that's what's happening with all of us continually. Here's our second point today. The second thing to realize is this. You've got to realize that your message decoder doesn't always work well. As these messages are going out, here's what happens. As these words are being spoken, let's say the husband and wife here, then what's happening is this person is hearing words coming their way and nonverbals and tone and spirit. Now over here, she's trying to figure out what does he mean by what he's saying. What am I picking up here? And so in her brain over here, it, there's all this processing that's going on, trying to figure out what's really happening here. It, it, often the processing is unconscious. You don't realize what you're doing, but you're trying to make sense of what's coming your way. And in the same way as she feeds back to, to him, that he and his brain over here is trying to figure out what is she trying to say. You're trying to read all the messages and figure out what's being said to you because you've got words coming your way. You've got nonverbals you've got to figure out, you've got a tone that's being spoken in, you've got a spirit, if you will, atmosphere, attitude that's in the room as well. You're trying to make sense of all this. Have you ever had a situation before you walked away and said, I really, I couldn't make sense of that conversation? You had that before? What, what you're saying is you couldn't decode it all. You couldn't figure out what was really being said and what was really happening in that environment. And part of the reason that we have a hard time decoding messages is because your decoder is broken. Your decoder is messed up. The way you and I process things, uh, we, we have a problem because we are, I'm going to use another word here, we have bad filters. We don't see things clearly. We all come to our, our relationships with like a set of glasses on, and it's our filter that we look at relationships through, and oftentimes our filters, our glasses that we're viewing relationships with are smudged, and they, we're carrying stuff around with us, and so we can't figure things out well all the time. For example, let's just, just use this illustration for a moment. Let's say that I look out this morning and I see a person uh, watching me while I'm sharing and teaching God's Word, and you're sitting there like this. Now, when I see you like that, 
I'm trying now, when I see you sitting there, I'm not pointing to anybody particular, okay, right now. I probably could if I wanted to, but when I see that, I have to decode that message. I'm preaching, yes, I'm talking, but while I'm talking that information, I wonder what's up with that person. Are they mad at me, or did I do something to offend them, or do they like, really not want to be here today, or what is it? And so while I'm talking at one level, I'm still trying to process, and I'm using filters to process that. The filters partially, maybe my own potential insecurity or my interactions in the past with that person. There could be a lot of things that are working in me to try to figure out what's going on with that individual. And what I want you to see as well, that anytime you have interaction with a person and you're trying to figure out what's going on in the communication, you've got to know something about your filters. And there are six filters that you need to be aware of. Why don't we read these together? They're right there on your notes. Let's read them uh, beginning with number one. You have past what? Experiences with people. All of you have had experiences in the past with human beings. Some of those experiences in the past have been good. Some of them have not been so good. And so here's what you do. Every relationship you go into, you carry with you all the people you've had interactions with in the past. And those that are good, if somebody reminds you of a good interaction from the past, you tend to filter them through that filter of your experience with someone that, you, that reminds you of them. If you've had bad experiences in the past, you tend to do the very same thing in a negative way. But you, all of your past experiences with people filter into how you interact with people now. There's also a second one. Read it with me. What's the second filter? Past history and the present relationship. If you're married, you've been married more than five minutes, you've got a past history, okay? Because something's happened at some point in time that you say, wow, that wasn't so nice. Usually the good things don't affect us so adversely, obviously, but it's the bad things that we remember from the past. It's the bad patterns that have been there for a period of time. And so we get with this individual again, a husband or wife, for example, and we bring into that all the history of our unique relationship. Not only all those other people we've known, but just the two of us. And we bring that into the relationship and we start filtering what that person said on the basis of how they said it some other time and it affects our response to them. Number three, the third one. What is it? Read with me. Prejudice and warped perceptions. When you are prejudiced, let me tell you what prejudice is. Prejudice is when you prejudge someone without knowing them. You set up a judgment in your mind about them before you know a thing about them. And you approach them in a relationship and you've already determined something about them based upon most oftentimes a warped perspective of them. And now you are reacting and responding to them out of a prejudgment. You don't even know them. But it affects the relationship. Then number four, the fourth one, personal sin and emotional issues. All of us have sin in our lives. When sin takes control of my life and I begin to walk away from God, it affects every other relationship in my life. If I'm not walking tight with Jesus, it's going to affect my marriage. If I don't walk tight with Jesus, it's going to affect my relationship with my kids. The best way that I can be the most effective in my relationships is to be as close as I can be in relationship with God because if I'm tying in to His love and my relationship with Him is strong, it gives me the resources then to relate to the people around me. Can I just take you on a side trip just for a moment? This is a little uh, extra for you today. It'll really help you in your marriage, okay, especially if you're married today or are in the process of planning to get married. One of the things that husbands and wives want to do is they want to be close to each other. They want a close relationship. How can we get close to each other? Okay? 
And I want you to think of husband and wife here and God here. And here's a, here's a little thing to, to remember. It'll help you continually in this process of growing closer together. If you and I in our marriage, if I as a husband and my wife as a wife gets closer to God, the closer we get to God, what happens to us? Notice the proximity. What happens? The closer we get to each other, the closer we are with God. If you want real unity in your relationship, then make God the priority of your life. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. So it's a very important key. The opposite is true as well. It's like it's an inverse relationship because the further I go from God, what happens down here? the less connection we can have with one another. And the sad thing is when one person is trying to move toward God and the other person is trying to move away from God, it really does produce quite a chasm in the relationship. And so the best way to grow your relationship with one another, same is true in friendships, any realm of life, the closer you get to God, the closer you will be with one another. Vital thing to remember. And personal sin in your life, that is walking away from God, can affect that very significantly. Number five, Read with me. Limited knowledge. Let me explain that to you. There's a lot of times that you will decode what's going on with another person and you don't have all the facts. You don't even know everything about what's going on in this situation. Example, let's say that tomorrow morning you get on the Beltway to go to work. You're on 270, Beltway, wherever you might be, and it's traffic everywhere. I mean, it is a mess. And you see some guy coming around just like weaving in and out of traffic and cutting people off. And that person comes in and cuts you off. You have to move to another lane just to avoid an accident with that person. What are you going to be thinking about that person when they do that? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless him. What a nice man. No, you're not going to think that, okay? You're going to be thinking other things, right? What a jerk. What's up with that guy? Doesn't he know I've got stuff to do too? And all kind of thoughts that might have in your mind. However, if you knew that he had a little boy in the back seat that was in danger of losing his life and he was on the way as quickly as he could to make it to a hospital to save his life, what would your perspective then be of that person? Completely different. Why? Because you had more accurate knowledge. Sometimes we interact in relationships and react to people, and we don't even have all the facts. We create the facts in our mind that are not reality, and then we react to things that aren't even real. And that creates that limited knowledge. Let's go to the next one together. What's the next one, number six? Personality and gender differences. Everybody here is different. You have a different personality. Basic two groups of personality uh, dimensions, introverts and extroverts. Everybody here can be divided, at least in that category, uh, of introvert to extrovert on different scales. What's an introvert? An introvert is someone who can be with people, but when they're with people, they tend to get drained by people. So they have to p- spend time alone to get rejuvenated. Okay? And so they're with people, yes, it's wonderful, but then they pull away to get their rejuvenated. They need some private time to have the strength needed in life. Okay? Uh, extroverts, they get energized by being around people. That's some of you. Every time you get around people, like, whoa, this is amazing. People, people, people want people all the time. Other you're like, people, oh, no, people. I need some down, I need some private time. And so those are the, ex, the, those are the extremes. And again, there are different elements of this, but everybody here can be divided in those categories. There are other personality elements, but everybody's a little bit different. And your personality affects how you filter interactions with people. 
This was something that my wife and I had to learn because we're, we're a bit different when it comes to the introvert-extrovert scales. And so sometimes the things that I would read in terms of what she wanted to do versus what I wanted to do, we saw it as a conflict, when in reality it wasn't a conflict. It's just we were different, okay? And we began to understand the differences, then we could make the compromises necessary to meet the needs that she had in her life and the needs that I have in my life, and it made us, it brought us to a place of peace, but understanding personality. By the way, also there are differences when it comes, comes to gender. Men and women are different more than in the biological sense, okay? They think differently. They respond to life differently. They process life somewhat differently. I'll prove it to you. Men carry wallets. Women carry purses, okay? They do, okay? A man carries a wallet. When he carries a wallet, what does he have in his wallet? He's got enough cash, and he's got his credit cards for himself. I got what I need. When a woman travels or goes somewhere with her pocketbook, with her purse, okay, she's got something for everybody, okay? Okay? I mean, I'm tempted to ask somebody to come up and bring your purse up here. I'm going to dump it on the, on the table and show you what's in a purse. It's a, it's a miracle, okay? It's a miracle. Every drug in the world is in that purse, okay? I mean, I, honestly, if I go somewhere, I, I could need a Benadryl, I could need an aspirin, I could need a Tylenol, I could need half a Tylenol, I could need, you know, I could ask for pretty much any. Oh, sure, I've got that, just a minute. Whoop, right there. Why? I mean, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not, because I, I got my wallet. I'm good. You take care of yourself, I'm good. But the wife carries the purse, or the woman carries a purse, because there's an instinct, there's a maternal instinct that's there, and so there's a, it goes beyond just what may be needed for me, and that's more than just a fashion issue, it's something that comes out of the gender differences that God places within us, and so all these things are different. You have to learn something about these filters if you're going to communicate well, and for many years, again, for my wife and I, by the way, we celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary this past Wednesday. And uh, so it's been, it's been you, don't, you don't learn this stuff overnight. It takes, you have, that's why you need to stick with it, okay? Because it takes time to learn this stuff. You, and you learn over time, well, well, it's just, she's just being a woman, okay? And she, well, he's just being a man. And so it takes away the conflict of it. You begin to understand that it's not about each other at that point. It's just about the uniquenesses that we share. And so those are filters that we have to work through, okay? Let's go to our final point together. Actually, before we do, let me read you a, a great illustration here from the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus had to deal with people's filters, and there are people that even filtered the ministry of Jesus the wrong way. They misinterpreted him. Let me read you a story here in John chapter, chapter 10, verses 17 through 21. The reason, these are the words of Jesus. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. So Jesus has this group of people around him. He's teaching them. He's saying, you know what? You know, I have the authority given from the Father to lay my life down and take it up again. You can't take my life from me because that, that has been given to me by God. And so he preaches, teaches this message among a group of folks. Now notice verse number 19. At these words, that is what Jesus said, at these, what? 
words, what he was communicating at these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, so here, notice the filters, many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Why what? Why listen? So they actually wrote Jesus off. They said, he's a nut. He doesn't know what he's talking. He must be, if he's not a nut, he's demon-possessed, so we don't even need to listen to him. So something about their filters shut him completely out, and the filters were their religious filters. They were filtering Jesus through their religious background that was not consistent with Jesus' gospel. They were trying to understand the new wine with old wineskins, so they wrote him off. But notice the next statement, verse 21. But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So you've got two different groups. One filters it one way, another, another way. So you must understand that your filter matters. Say it with me. My filter matters. Say it together. My filter matters. You cannot not communicate and my filters matter. Here's our third point together. You must listen before you leap, before you leap to conclusions. I'm going to show you right now how to become a better decoder. How do you decode words and nonverbals and tone and spirit, how do, you, how do you decode it in a better way? The key to decoding accurately in relationships is this word again. What's the word? Listening. Notice what the Apostle James says again in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. This is Christian instruction for us. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So here James says, be careful of this very thing. If you want to have good communication, learn to be an excellent listener. Quick to listen. What does that mean? Go, to, go now to Proverbs 7, verse 24. I'm going to ask you to circle something there in just a moment as I read it. Now then, my sons, listen underscore that word, listen, listen to me, pay attention. Would you circle that phrase? I'm going to come back to it. Pay attention to what I say. Here is the, the wise writer talking to his children. He's saying, if you want to get the wisdom I have, you're going to have to listen, and you're going to have to pay what? Attention. Key phrase, pay attention, pay. Notice now Proverbs 18, verse 13. Let's read this one together as a congregation. Here we go. Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Don't you like the way the message just lays it out there? Answering before listening is just not, it's just stupid. It's not very wise to do and it's, and it's rude. Why is listening so hard? Why did the Bible have to tell us over and over and over again, listen, 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 pay attention? Because attention requires a payment. That's what I want you, you can't, you can't attend without Paying is a price that goes with attending, okay? You have to pay for it, okay? Friday night, um, I was at home. My wife and I were at home, and uh, I was sitting in front of the in, the, in the den area, and we had the news on or something, but I was busy working on my computer. I was just in a little project I was working on, just having a really good time, and I was into my world. I was, it was a great world to be in right at that moment, okay? And my wife comes in. I vaguely remember the fact that she entered the room, okay? And I vaguely remember seeing her lips moving, okay? And she, like, she said something, you know, at least she told me later that she had said something, and she said that I said yes. 
I can't promise you. I think I did. I'm pretty sure I said yes. If she said I said yes, I said yes. One thing I know about she's not a liar, okay? So here I was. I was in my world, and she entered my world, but I stayed in my world, okay? Because I did not want to pay attention. I did not want to pay the price to get into her world, okay? Because to pay the price to get into her world meant that I had to leave my world, okay? And and my world was more important to me at that moment than her world, so I wasn't willing to pay the price, okay? This is important, okay? Because you can't attend without paying for it, okay? There's a price involved. I can't get into your world unless I leave my world, correct? You can't get into my world unless you leave your world. So there's a price that has to be paid for, for listening to transpire. And so there in that environment, I didn't pay attention. And later she says, well, we're gonna, I've got this and we're going to do that. And I said, well, what about this? She said, well, you said yes to it. When did I say yes? Well, back if you know. So what broke down, thank God we didn't have an argument about it. Aren't you glad to know the pastor didn't have an argument this weekend? That's good. On his anniversary week. That's great. Okay. We didn't have an argument because we had learned enough about the fact of how this kind of thing happens. But many times earlier in our marriage, that would have, that would have ended in an argument, okay? Because we didn't understand what was going on. But I realized I didn't pay attention, so it wasn't her fault. It was the fact that I didn't get out of my world to get into her world to find out what was going on. So the reality was I, I made the mistake there. I was at fault for the situation. Because always in any, any attending or listening, there's a price that has to be paid for it. So let me talk to you about the price that has to be paid. Let me talk to you about how to pay attention. How do you listen to somebody else? I'm going to give you four things that will make you a better listener. And with this we're going to be done today. The first thing that's necessary if you're going to listen well to a person is you actually have to look at the person physically. You have to look at them. I'm talking about your eyes. You're you're paying attention with your eyes. You're looking at them. I'm going to show you why this is so important because how, how much of your communication is beyond the words 85%, okay? How are you going to figure out the nonverbals, some of the tone and spirit without your eyes being and and taking some information in? That's why my wife will often say to me when she's conversing with me, look at me, honey. Well, I know what you look like. I don't need to look at you, okay? I've been with you 37 years, okay? I know what you look like, okay? I could pick you out of a lineup, okay? But that's not what she's saying. It's not the issue of do you know what I look like. She's saying, look at me that is engaged with me. And so there's that eye connection. Now, I'm not talking about staring somebody down like this. But I'm talking about being present. Everybody say present. That's what listening is. You're present and you're communicating. I'm present here with you. And so you look at the person when there's a conversation going on. The second thing that's necessary is you and I have to look past the person and look for the heart and emotions. Look for the message in the message. I've discovered that the words are not going to tell me the whole story. There's usually a message within the message. And the message within the message is generally on more of the emotional level, on the level that we haven't, that we don't normally speak about, but it's down underneath the surface. And so while I'm looking at her, I'm also looking past her into maybe, what am I hearing here? What is the message past this message that she's trying to communicate with me? For example, if I walk into the house and I say, honey, how you doing? She says, oh, it's been a tough day. I, I say, okay, that's too bad. Sorry about that. I had a tough one too then what happened there was this, I didn't look past 
the statement, it's been a tough day, to realize, okay, maybe she's just laying something out there that will allow me to connect with her at another level. It's not just about a tough day. What she's actually, actually wanting is an opportunity to share, and my response could be, well, my goodness, a tough day. Tell me more about it. What happened? What transpired today? What did I do in that moment? When I said, what happened? Tell me more about that. A tough day? All I can say is, a tough day? How? What happened? There in that moment, what I've done is I've given her permission. What I've done is now I am paying what? Attention. I'm paying for it. Okay? I can't go into my world. I have to step over here into her world, and it always costs something. It always costs something. And so I present, I look past the message, the words, into the heart of what's going on. That's the key to that, all right? Here's our third thing. The third one is you have to look for an opportunity to, to restate, review, or verify what you're hearing. You have to be able to restate the message and the message in the message. Here's, here's how this works. Everybody still with me so far? Good, okay. Are you listening? Okay, just want to make sure, okay. Half of you are. The other you're like this. No. Honey, how was your day? I really had a tough day. Tell me more about it. What happened? She starts sharing, well, this happened and this transpired and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, happened and occurred. And it's just, I just feel tired. I feel whatever. She communicates. I can then at that point in time, it's now my turn to say something, right? Let me show you what most of the time we do, okay? While somebody else is talking, generally what we do is we, we are not listening. We're thinking, I sure hope they will shut up really, really fast so I can say what I want to say, Okay. Yeah, 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 We're not doing that outwardly. Sometimes we are, but inside we're going, yeah, 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 Right? Now just be quiet because I have something really profound to say, okay? And what I could do in that moment is I could, even once she shared, I could say, well, it's really bad. Sorry to hear that. Or I can say, oh, well, honey, what I just heard you say was this. I'm hearing that really what's going on on the inside is that you're really feeling kind of discouraged. You're feeling hurt. Did that hurt you? Are you? Am I hearing you correctly? What I'm doing is now that she's shared, I'm feeding back to her what I heard, okay? This is what I heard. Is this correct? I'm providing an opportunity to see if I'm really hearing what she said. Got me? Okay. Because I may not have heard what she said. I may say, it sounds like you're really hurt, or it sounds like you're angry, or something's really bothering you. She says, well, no, that's not really what I'm feeling. What, well, what are you feeling? And so it provides opportunities, because the whole goal is to make sure our decoder works correctly, right? Right? Because we, we have all these filters, and so you have to be purposeful to get past these filters. And so you got the process. I've got to look at her. I've got to engage with my eyes. I've got to now open up the opportunity for her to share the message beyond the message. I now want to reflect back what I'm hearing her say until we're in agreement with, yeah, that's really what I'm feeling. And notice the fourth point. We're going to be done here. This is important as well. Look for the right response, the right way that, read, read the rest with me, that builds a bridge to better understanding and connecting. What you want to do is that when it does come your time to say something back after you've agreed what the situation is, you want to do something that builds not something that destroys. You, want to, you don't want to say something like this. Well, you just always treat people that way anyway. It's not their fault, it's yours. Hope this teaches you a lesson. 
Now, I could have listened really well, but I blew it when I got to that point, right? You can do all those other things, but when it comes time for me to say something back, if I don't have the right response back that helps build, and sometimes even things that help instruct or even correct can be done at those moments, but it has to be done in a way that builds up and not tears down. That's the value of it. And so you want to get to a place where you invest in the relationship that makes it stronger, okay? So what have we learned today? What kind of machine are you? You are a message machine. You're a, you're a message machine. Everywhere you go, you're given a message all the time. What's wrong with your decoder? It doesn't always work well, does it? We all have filters that we have to be aware of. What's the way to become a better decoder? Come on, help me out here. I'm not tricking you, okay? What's the way? What's the way to decode messages better? Let everyone be quick to... Listen and slow to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for reminding us of these important truths. And God, I ask you'll help us to live them out in our lives. Husbands and wives, wives and husbands, parents and children, friends, co-workers, whatever it might be, God. We pray that you'll help us to learn these principles so that we can apply the word of God in a very practical way in our daily living. Thank you for helping us in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.